0: This is the Equip podcast from Cornerstone Church of Ames, a podcast designed to help you live a gospel-fueled and faithful life wherever Jesus has called you. Welcome again to the Equip podcast from Cornerstone Church. My name is Mark Vance. I'm the lead pastor here at Cornerstone, and today I actually want to talk to you about church membership. And so this is a podcast that for those of you who aren't members uh, here locally of Cornerstone Church of Ames, I hope it's a blessing and a benefit to you, but in particular, it'll give you a little insight into what it means to be a member at Cornerstone Church of Ames. The reason for this podcast is that we actually just finished having our annual members meeting here at Cornerstone this past Sunday on June the 6th. Our members voted to affirm uh, our elders, to approve a budget, and it reminded me of just a couple things I think are important for us to consider as Christians. And so what I want to do, kind of overview of where we're headed, I want to talk about why church membership matters biblically and practically. But then I actually want to think about the members event we had at Cornerstone and talk about four main reasons why we gather our members regularly um, here at Cornerstone to celebrate for financial accountability, for leadership affirmation, and for prayer. And in unpacking those purposes, what I want to do is also kind of peel back and look a little behind the curtain as a local church on how do we organize ourselves and why does that matter as well. So, let's talk about membership and I I want to begin with this simple biblical case. Sometimes people say, "Why do I need to be a a member of a church? The Christian life, I've been saved by the grace of Jesus, and so isn't it just good enough for me to pursue the Lord individually?" And I think I've just a couple of challenges to you in that. The the first is that I think we need to make sure, especially as Christians in the Western world, to remember that the Christian life that we encounter in the New Testament is never just presented as me walking with Jesus. In other words, Christianity is not just a set of individual, personal spiritual practices. To be part of, like, knowing Christ individually is to be incorporated in Christ into his family. So Jesus doesn't just save you to be an individual. He saves you to be part of a people that he is calling to himself. It's not just me and Jesus. It's we and Jesus in the Christian life. And so throughout the New Testament, there are these metaphors that picture what it means to be in Christ, not just as an individual, but as a corporate body. And I mentioned really the main one in the New Testament, which is that the church is pictured as the body of Christ. And actually in Ephesians, when Paul talks about that body metaphor, in First Corinthians, when Paul talks about the body metaphor, he says, we are members of Christ and individually members of one another. So the idea of membership, really don't think just like membership roles of a civic organization. Think of members, like your fingers are members of your hand. We are individually. We individually have functions, but we are collectively part of a bigger thing called the body of Christ. And so, membership of a local church body matters because it is reinforcing for you the reality of your new identity in Christ. You are a member of the body of Christ. And as a member of the body of Christ, the New Testament doesn't know anything of a Christian who is individually in Christ, but yet distant from and divorced from a local body of believers. Every time we see a person place their faith in Christ in the New Testament, they don't just join themselves to Jesus. They join themselves to other Christians in an intimate relationship. Local church membership is just based on that big idea. And at Cornerstone, what we say is local church membership, it's not just assenting to a collection of doctrinal facts, a a set of theological beliefs about Jesus. A local church member is a person who is covenanting to be something and to do something. We summarize it with the word of faithful. Our members are promising to be faithful to one another and to Christ in four main areas. They're promising to be faithful in their living That they're going to be a person who says, I'm not promising to be perfect, but I'm promising that I'm seeking to live my life under the authority of scripture. I want to be obedient. I want to be holy. So I'm promising to be faithful in living. I'm promising to be faithful in serving. That's the second promise our members make: that I will give of my my talents, my abilities to serve in two ways. Is our goal for our members that we would serve inside of our local church as we gather for regular services, where that servant is an usher or a part of the worship team, part of the finance committee, part of the building and maintenance. We serve inside our local church, but also inside of our local community. We're asking our members to think, where are the places of influence that God has given you? Whether it's Little League or reading with a kid in schools, whether it's serving on city council, we want you to look beyond simply our local church body and be faithful to serve there. So we're promising faithful living, faithful serving, faithful attending. Faithful attending. To be part of a local church, you have to show up. Honestly, 90% of Christian leadership, I think, is just showing up. And so Faithful attending means I'm faithful in attending the public services of worship at our church. I'm also faithfully part of some smaller group, whether it's a men's study or a connection group in a home, a celebrate recovery group, that I'm part of that. And then finally, faithful in living, faithful in serving, faithful in attending, and faithful in giving. And faithful in giving just means I'm generously giving of what God has entrusted to me as a steward. I'm giving it back to Him through the ministry of the local church. We are asking our members unapologetically to support the ministry of the church financially. And as we do that together as members of this body, we're able to see the good news go forward and we're able to see more and more ministry happen in our community and beyond it. So membership, I I just want to say this, membership matters. It matters biblically. It matters because we're calling one another to faithfulness and making these promises to one another. And it also, I think it's really important to say it matters um, just on a level of personal health. We're coming off a time of isolation and kind of individual isolation due to COVID. And if there's one thing I would be pushing people to in terms of health right now, it, to be, it would be to make sure you don't continue in isolation. You need to be part of something bigger than you. And so local church membership is just an expression of that reality, that you're not just an individual, you're a social creature made by God, not just for relationship with him, but for relationship with others. So membership matters. That's why we have members events at Cornerstone. And in each members event, as I'm kind of planning this out with our elders, we're generally thinking of four big categories of things that we'll cover, celebration, financial accountability, Elder accountability and leadership affirmation. And then finally, prayer. What is it we need to be bringing before the Lord in prayer? So let's walk through those. Celebration. This is the local church. We're members of one another, we're members of a family. And every healthy family that I know celebrates family events. So a members event is, in some ways, a celebration. We look back at what God has done, we mark. We just try to highlight individuals who are so faithful to the duties that God's given them as members of our local church. And so even this past members event, we celebrated Christine Purcell and her incredible work as our accountant here at Cornerstone. She's stewarded so much. She's done so such a great job. Andrew Pistorius, who's our finance director, we were able to highlight Two departing members of our church, Shane and, Shane and Samantha Kelly, who are amazing and have been incredible members and then also part of our staff team and who are heading out to be part of the team at Veritas Church in Iowa City. Shane's going to be directing local, global ministry and also helping with theological education. Sam is going to be a first grade teacher at Faith Academy. She's going to be amazing. Faith Academy, if you're listening, we are jealous, but also thankful for you. And so we celebrate people. At a members event, we celebrate just God's faithfulness to us. We look back over the year and look at what God has done. And even for this members event at Cornerstone, particularly, I was reflecting back on the fact that last year we did member events on Zoom. We weren't gathering in person. And so we were just celebrating a return to health in our local community and praising God for his faithfulness to us. We also celebrated just financially. What God had blessed us with as a church, our members were so faithful over the course of this last year. And so we celebrate that. And that kind of brings me to the second thing we do at a members event, is we talk about financial accountability. Now, I think this is something that is really, really important in a local church body. It's important in the New Testament. If you look at Paul's letters, even Second Corinthians, if you read through Second Corinthians 8 and 9, One of the things that Paul did in his ministry was he collected offerings from the churches that would go to support maybe another needy church, or sometimes there's an incident where the church at Jerusalem was experiencing a famine. And so, he collected an offering of love from the Gentile churches that Paul had helped start and brought it back to Jerusalem. 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 details the process Paul went through to make sure he delivered that gift faithfully. And so, financial accountability is part of the New Testament, but it's also a priority for the church in our age as well. And so at Cornerstone, one of the things we do each year is we report a budget to our church and we ask for their affirmation of that annual budget. We put the budget together through a multi-layer process where our elders and our staff directors, our finance committee and finance director work through multiple iterations to try to steward the funds that are giving. We recognize that every dollar given to Cornerstone is someone's offering. They're taking money that they worked, God provided for them, and they're saying, we so believe in what God's doing here. We want to invest in this. We want to steward what God has given us. And so I feel a huge responsibility to say, here's how we're using that and to give an account for what's given. And when we look at our budget at Cornerstone, we kind of we budget in three areas. If you've never seen Cornerstone's budget, we talk about in-house, out-of-house, and house expenses. So, house expenses are expenses related to the care and maintenance of our facility at Cornerstone. Praise God, we have a paid off free and clear facility. So we have no mortgage or debt connected to it. And so our house expenses total out to between generally 10 and 15% of our annual general fund budget. Beyond that, we have in-house expenses. That goes to offset the cost of employing staff to do ministry in Ames, whether that would be members of our pastoral team, members of our youth staff, part of our kids' ministry, and the expenses related to that, whether it's insurance for our employees or keeping the lights on uh, by paying for uh, utilities, things like that, copy machine, all of that comes out of what we call in-house expenses. Our budget generally around, let's say around 40 to 42, 43, 44% of our budget goes to in-house expenses, the third category we talk about is out of house, and that is giving that goes to, to push forward gospel ministry beyond the four walls of Cornerstone. And we target four particular areas in our out of house budget. We fund Salt Company, our ministry to engage the students of Iowa State with the gospel. We fund our local missions department, where we're doing good and blessing those impacted by poverty and who need a ministry of mercy inside of our local community. We fund our global missions budget, pushing the gospel to the ends of the earth. And then we fund national church planting, particularly through the salt network, as we're trying to see a church planted in every major university campus in North America that has a salt company. So that's the three categories. Each year, we want to give an accounting to our church of how money was spent in the past year, and then we want to look forward to how we propose spending in the upcoming year. And one of the unique things that we've started doing recently at Cornerstone is we've kind of undertaken a different method of how we budget what we're preparing to spend in the upcoming year. In the past, what we would do is try to project out, here's how much we think will be given to the ministry of the church in the coming year. And then we would put a budget together to spend all of those dollars. But really, if you think about it, think of like your own personal budget. If you did that, That would be a little bit of an unusual way to budget. In other words, you'd be budgeting kind of hoping that your income in the future would be a little bit higher, and then you would budget to spend every single dollar. So what we started doing was a new method of budgeting. Really, it was triggered by the uncertainty of the COVID time, where instead of budgeting off of anticipated giving, we decided to set our general fund budget off of a percentage of our prior year's giving. So right now what we do is we set a general fund budget off of 90% of what was given in the prior year. What that does is it enables us to live with margin. So if you set your family budget off of 90% of what you made the year before, then what you would have is margin inside of your budget for unanticipated expenses, for extra things, all that sort of stuff. Here's what we do then at the end of the year, what that meant was we actually budgeted less by way of spending and expenses in the last year than we took in by way of giving. And so that difference, the difference between our actual giving that members of Cornerstone gave and our actual spending, what we're beginning to do at Cornerstone is we then overflow that money every year to give away that sum of money. So that means from financial accountability, each year at Cornerstone, we're proposing two budgets. We have a general fund budget that goes to pay for our in-house, out-of-house, and house expenses. Then we have a second budget, an overflow budget. And what we've decided to do is make sure every dollar in that budget is given away toward our out-of-house missions projects. So this coming year, we were able to talk about our members event, a new thing we can do because of that generosity and giving in our church. We're going to start the Foundations Early Child Care Center at Cornerstone Church. It's a a child care center particularly oriented toward poverty-impacted families in our local community. Because we know that stable child care is an incredibly important resource for a family to prosper and to move forward financially. And so we started Child Care Center where our goal is to see 70 plus percent of all the kids in there come from families that are being financially subsidized by generosity from Cornerstone or by state rate pay. So if you want more on that, by the way, you can go to foundationsaims.org FoundationsAIMS.org, and you can get information about that child care center. And we're super excited to give money toward that. We have money from overflow, our overflow giving going to global missions projects for mercy and justice relief among the poorest of the poor around the globe, but also from funding SALT Global church planting that's happening in university centers around the country. And then we also gave toward projects related to the SALT Network. That overflow budget is actually going to go to give a gift to every single salt company. There's nearly 20 of them, by the way, right now outside of Ames. And we're trying to help those college ministries continue to move forward so they can see more and more gospel work done on the campus. Okay, Zoom back out. We get together for a members event to celebrate and to report financially because we're called as stewards of what God has entrusted. And we feel like at Cornerstone, God has given us a responsibility for being gospel generous people. He has given us the indescribable gift of Christ. And we want to be generous, generous, generous. And so, Cornerstone is a church. We are going to be giving away toward those outreach ministries even more than ultimately we spend on our in-house ministries at cornerstone in the next year that's not because we're skimping on our youth program it's that honestly our commitment is not just to be a marginally better and bigger mega church but to be a multiplying sort of church that sees beyond our four walls to the gospel needs in our local community in our nation and ultimately to the ends of the earth so financial accountability is important For a local church body. It's important for members to know that every dollar they give is stewarded faithfully. But thirdly, it's also incredibly important for members to know who is responsible to make decisions in the life of the local church. What we say at Cornerstone, I don't know, I think we probably stole this phrase from somebody, but I'll just quote it anyways. We say, our model of church leadership is that we are led by Jesus through His Word and by His Spirit. We are governed Practically, we're under the lordship of Jesus. We are led day to day by a plurality of elders, and those elders are affirmed by our local congregation, our members. So, members affirm, elders lead as Jesus rules. So, we're Jesus ruled, elder led, and congregationally affirmed. So, in other words, it's important to note this, We're, we believe deeply in plurality. It's one of the central guiding principles of Cornerstone. It's the reason why on weekend services, even as lead pastor, I really preach about 40% of the time because our commitment is that plurality won't just be a principle, it will be visibly and vibrantly displayed in every area of our church. We believe in working in, in team and in plurality. And so elders are affirmed annually at Cornerstone who are the men that we are going to entrust the decision-making and guiding responsibilities of our church. The congregation annually approves those elders. And what we do, kind of our up at Cornerstone is at least half of our elder team is required to be made up of lay people, non-paid staff, and Those who are lay elders, congregationally appointed elders, they serve on a three-year rotation. Doesn't mean they have to serve a three-year term, but generally men will serve for three years and then they'll rotate off. That lets us have fresh perspective in the room. It also lets people catch a breath and make sure that they're fresh as they come in to lead. And the other thing that Cornerstone does, this is something I really appreciated when I first became a member here almost a decade ago is they are we're we're intentional that if any elder receives a vote of no we follow up on that now that doesn't mean an elder is automatically disqualified if someone votes no but it means when the bible says an elder has to have a good reputation among those outside the church community If there's a no vote, we want to make sure there may be someone who knows of an elder not behaving in a way that is appropriate toward his family, toward his business, toward his employees. And we believe that for the congregation to trust our leadership, we need to hold ourselves to a really high standard there. So leadership affirmation is always central to what we do at a member's event. Celebration, financial accountability, leadership affirmation. What that does, it takes the people who've promised to be members together of something. And it builds their confidence that what we're moving toward is responsibly stewarded and also, also gospel-oriented. It builds confidence in our local body. Then the final thing we do is we pray together. And I want to close the podcast actually talking a little bit about what we prayed for at our members event um, this past Sunday. So recently, two dear members of our church, Riley and Courtney Veer, uh, Courtney gave birth to a baby boy, Zeke Veer, and Zeke was born very, very premature. He was born actually at 23 weeks old, and so Zeke now is three weeks old. He's receiving absolutely tremendous care at the University of Iowa hospitals, but when a baby is born that early, there are tremendous, tremendous hardships. And so at the members event, I actually wore a t shirt that said Team Zeke across the front because I want to be part of a team that prays for Zeke. And I want you to be part of that team too. So let me give you something, whether you're a member of our church or not. At the very least, right as I'm talking here, say a prayer that God would strengthen baby Zeke Veer. But beyond that, for the family, the best thing you can do is they have a caring bridge page. Caring Bridge is this wonderful website where families who are going through um, medical needs are able to inform people. So it keeps them getting overwhelmed by text messages. How are you doing? Instead, you can just go right to that Caring Bridge site. So for Zeke, his Caring Bridge, if you have the app or the website, you just type into Google Caring Bridge and then type in his name, Zeke Veer. Z E K E and Veer is V I E R and sign up for those updates so that you can keep praying regularly. And so we had the chance to pray for Zeke at our members meeting because being members of one another, we know from the scripture that when one part of the body hurts, we all hurt. When one part of the body rejoices, we all rejoice. And when one part of the body, Courtney and Riley, give birth to a baby like Zeke, we all pray with them that God would give grace. And so I'm going to close the podcast this week praying for Zeke, and I want you to pray Uh, for Zeke as well with me. And so, God, I lift up again to you baby Zeke Veer. He's fearfully and wonderfully made in your image, and so he is so precious to you, and he's precious to us. He's precious to Courtney and to Riley. I pray that you'd strengthen Courtney and Riley with faith and with grace, that they'd cling to you in the roller coaster ride of an extremely premature birth. And God, for Zeke Veer, today we pray that in every way you would strengthen his body and that the story of his life would be a testament from beginning to end of the good and powerful work of Jesus. Jesus, we pray you'd bring him through strong, that he would be a champion for you all his life. God, watch over him. Give wisdom to the doctors, to the nurses. We thank you for your University of Iowa Hospitals, the incredible work they're doing. And God, we pray today that you would hear our prayers and strengthen baby Zeke. We ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen.